Welcome to this episode of Sunday Reprise, where we bring the church to you and deliver nothing but the truth. Brought to you by Maranatha Family Church International Ministries in Davao City, Philippines. We hope this message will bless you. Let's go. I'm going to pray and we'll get right into the word today. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm so grateful, God, to be able to share with our home church in Davao, Maranatha Church. Lord, you know our hearts, how we love them dearly. And Lord, how amazing it is that we're able to do this being so far away, and yet you've provided opportunities for us to not feel so isolated that we could even connect to each other online. So Lord, I pray for this word today to be an encouragement, to bring hope, And Lord, that you would challenge each and every single one of us, wherever we're at, to put our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I want to talk to you today about faith as a peanut. That's right, you heard me say peanut. Faith is a peanut. Let me read some scriptures to you. Psalm 25 verse 14 in the New King James Version says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. So the secret of the Lord is is something that's not for everybody. It's something small. You know, every single one of us, Jesus said, has uh, that we have a measure of faith. We've been given a measure of faith. You know, when people say, I don't have any faith, I don't really believe that's true. I believe we all have a measure of faith. It just depends how we're using it. And we're going to go on to see here that faith is small. It's, it's like a seed. It's like a secret. And, and you know, once it, it begins to grow on the inside of us, it should no longer be a secret, but something that grows into something spectacular that God can do with it. In Hebrews 11.1 1, and the NIV version, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance. Faith is like a peanut. Faith is something tangible. It's not something abstract or something just in the wind that, you know, because we can't see it, it's not there. But faith is very real. You know, God's telling us that faith is the substance. You know, you can't see heaven. Maybe you've never seen God. But your faith is the substance of what God's word tells us to put our hope in. And so as we hear the secret about how Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, it should do something on the inside of us that it begins to establish roots and grow so that our faith becomes real. Faith without works is dead, right? That's what the book of James says. And so if you think about faith, when we know it to be substance, we realize that it begins to take on a reality when we act upon our faith. So faith seems like a secret at first, but then in a while, it becomes real to us when we begin to apply it to our lives in secret, in private, to those who are closest to us, family, you know, our spouses, children, and then also in the body of Christ and out in the world, 
in the workplace, in the school. And, and even though you may be shut down from going to work or not going to school or being your friends, playing basketball, things like that that you would normally do, faith is still the substance of things hoped for. It's still an evidence. So just because we don't get to do what we like to do on the outside sometimes doesn't mean that we don't have faith. You see, God's saying, what are you going to do with the faith that I've given you even during this time and season? Amen. I want to look at Hebrews 11.1 1 again, but in the Amplified Version. It says, now faith is the assurance, title, deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced in the physical senses. So we believe in a God that maybe we cannot necessarily see, although I believe God reveals himself in many ways. Romans tells us that we know that there's a God through creation. So the substance of our faith can see around us that there is a God that maybe we can't just see because of what he has provided, what he has built, what he has made. You know, when you, you've heard me say before that how do we know that there's a God? Well, how do we know uh, that a, a building has a builder? Because there's a building. And that's what creation is and so many other things that we could point to. That is the actual substance of the revealing of who God is. It's not like God just wants to hide forever, but he wants us to have faith in him and his word so that he can reveal himself to us and empower us to live a life, to live holy in this life, a life of power so that despite what we don't see or what we do see, we invite him to come and take over every detail of our lives, to lead us, that we might seek first the kingdom of heaven, right? So, you know, many uh, charismatic Pentecostal groups, we've all talked about the great apostle of faith, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was an amazing man of God. We heard that he, he worked all kinds of miracles. The blind would see, the lame would walk, you know, uh, demons would come out of people. Um, the dead would be raised. Could you imagine that? I mean, there's so many amazing stories of, you know, Wigglesworth going into a funeral. And one time I, I remember hearing that he told everybody else who didn't have faith to leave. And so could you imagine that? He goes up to the body in the casket, pulls the body out, throws the person up against the wall and says, live. And a body drops to the ground. He picks him up, holds him up again, says, live. The body drops. I don't know how many times he did this, but eventually holds the body up against the wall and says, I said, live. And what happens? The person's eyes open up and they're raised from the dead. Look, that might sound amazing. And it is because it's not something that you and I can do in our natural ability. But by faith in Jesus Christ, who's the firstborn that is raised uh, from the dead, he's empowered us to be risen with him, one spirit with him, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus. Amen? We can do the things that Jesus uh, did, and even greater, we know that. 
We know Smith Wigglesworth and many other great men and women of God to be great apostles of faith. However, there's a man that maybe, I don't know if many of you in the Philippines have heard of him or not. A man that is well-known here in the States who was a scientist, actually a botanist. He studied plant life and was greatly used by God. His name was George Washington Carver. He made all kinds of discoveries I'm going to read to you in just a moment. But when I was praying last week, I felt like the Holy Spirit said that George Washington Carver was just as much a great man of faith as someone like Smith Wigglesworth. Now we say, well, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know that George Washington Carver raised the dead or healed bodies and things like that. Well, just because somebody does those things doesn't mean that they have necessarily greater faith than everybody else. It means that they're using their faith. And sometimes that how God uses the faith that he's given each and every single one of us is different than how someone else might do it. Otherwise, we'd all just be raising the dead and uh, seeing healings all the time. Now, I believe that God can use anybody to heal the sick, cast out devils, work miracles, raise the dead. I'm sure many of you have stories and testimonies of God, God's goodness in your life that you had to believe for something or you believe for someone else. But here's the point of what I'm trying to say, is that faith looks, you know, when it is act upon, acted upon, it looks different sometimes for other people. And so we're not to compare ourselves to one another or to tear each other down, but we're to say that, wow, if God uses somebody to get revelation for something and it's a, a scientist that comes up with some spectacular idea that nobody ever had before, then that is just as supernatural to me as it would be raising a dead because to God, neither one of those things are difficult. And God doesn't need great faith to do something spectacular. He just needs to use someone whose life is surrendered, who says, here's my faith. I want you to use it for your glory. Amen. Listen to what George Washington Carver once asked God. He said, years ago, I went into my laboratory and said, dear Mr. Creator, please tell me what the universe was made for. The great creator answered, you want, to, you want to know too much for that little mind of yours. Ask something more your size, little man. Then I asked, please, Mr. Creator, tell me what man was made for. Again, the Creator replied, you are still asking too much. Cut down on the extent and improve the intent. What a powerful word. So then I asked, please, Mr. Creator, Will you tell me why the peanut was made? Do you know that George Washington Carver's revelation of the peanut revolutionized America, farming, and so many other things? And I'm going to read another article to you in just a moment. In not only America, but in the world and in the nations. Listen to this article called Man of Science, Man of God, George Washington Carver. Now he lived from, they think, 1864 or 1865 to 1943. 
And it says in this article that no other scientist, uh, you know, probably no other scientist has faced so many social barriers, barriers as George Washington Carver. He was a black man who was an American botanist noted for revolutionizing agriculture in the southern U.S. He was born towards the end of the Civil War to a slave family on the farm of a man named Moses Carver. As an infant, he and his mother and sister were kidnapped by Kentucky Night Raiders. This guy has been through horrible things, slavery, being kidnapped. And it is unclear what happened to his mother and sister, but George was rescued and returned to his slave owners, the Carvers, who actually raised him and his brother James. They were slave owners, but they were actually very respectful to George and seemed to care about him very deeply. He grew up in a deeply segregated world, and very few black schools were available in the South, but his desire to learn caused him to persevere, and he earned a diploma from Minneapolis High School in Minneapolis, Kansas. Entering college was more difficult. Um, he accepted. He was accepted at Simpson College in Indianola, Iowa, and to study art. And then he transferred to another college, an Iowa State Agriculture College in Ames, now which is called uh, Iowa State University. And he studied uh, botany, which uh, he was the first black student to do that and eventually first black faculty member. He had a lot of odds stacked against him. He had every reason to turn away, but he had faith. So he earned his undergraduate degree in 1894 and his master's in 1896 and became a nationally recognized botanist for his work on pathology and mycology. Mycology, I think that's what it is. After receiving his master's, he joined a famous man named Booker T. Washington at Tuskegee Normal and Industrial Institute, uh, later Tuskegee University in Alabama, and he wanted to teach former slaves how to farm for self-sufficiency. Look, George Washington Carver had every reason to complain, to murmur. He lost uh, his contact with his mother as a young boy, grew up as a slave. I mean, there were so many things. He endured racism his entire life, even as a scientist. Um, he was offered many uh, honors and substantial wealth from the patent. So here in America, if you create something, um, you know, if you come up uh, with some idea and you want to patent it, what you do is you the government puts a number on it and it says that you're the one who found that nobody else can you know do what you did and so if anybody else makes anything that's like that you're supposed to be getting the money for that because it was your idea and uh, that's kind of a simple way to say that so he did not patent any of his discoveries and he said if I did it would take up so much time and I would never get anything else done and I don't want my discoveries to just benefit me or just favored people. This guy had the love of God in him. He cared so much about other people that he wanted to become a servant. He was very simple with his finances and humble in character. He was a deeply devoted Christian. He attributed the inspiration of his work to his studies of nature that convinced him of the existence and a benevolence of the Creator God. Never since 
Have I been without the consciousness of the Creator speaking to me? That he, he has felt like God spoke to him so clearly, guiding him through his scientific research and discoveries. And, you know, he died from a bad fall in 1943. And at the end of his life, this was a former slave. It says that he had about 60000 U.S. dollars in his bank account. That's a lot of money when he died. And you know what? He donated it all to a museum uh, that eventually bears his name to this day. And on the epitaph of his grave at Tuskegee University campus, it says this, He could have added fortune to fame, but caring for neither, he found happiness and honor in being helpful to the world. Listen to what some of the things he discovered. Peanut punch, peanut beverage flakes, all-purpose cream cosmetics, antiseptic soap, baby massage cream, face bleach and tan remover, face, facial lotion, facial powder, glycerin, hand lotion, peanut oil shampoo, shaving cream, uh, tetter and dandruff cure, vanishing cream, 30 different kinds of dyes for clothes, for clothing, 19 different dyes for leather, 17 different wood stains, hand food from the peanut hearts, I, I don't know what that is, but I guess if you're into that you would know, uh, three different kinds of stock, uh, food, bar candy, caramel, chili sauce, chocolate coated peanuts, you ever have one of those, yummy yummy, curds, dry coffee, flavoring paste, meat substitutes, peanut brittle, peanut cake, peanut flour, peanut popcorn bars, peanut relish, peanut tofu sauce, wow, that's interesting, salad oil, vinegar, Worcester sauce, castor oil substitute, M, uh, something for bronchitis, iron to tonic, laxatives, axle grease, charcoal from the shells, we do that in the Philippines, George Washington Carver discovered that. Uh, diesel fuel, gasoline, glue, insecticide, linoleum, lubricating oil, nitroglycerin, white paper from vines, printer's ink, plastics, rubber, laundry soap, and sweeping compound. Look, you may or might not know what all those things are, but these things are what helped America and the nations to this very day. Some of us use these things every day. And, and think about it. If God had never revealed or answered the faith, the peanut-type faith of George Washington Carver, we may never have the things that we rely on which are normal today. We were just in Dothan, Alabama last week. Visiting, some of you might remember our friends, Pastor Jason uh, Durant. And so we're at the church for the week. And there's a, actually a, a museum there to Mr. Carver, who uh, was there in Dothan for a short time, I think. But there's a museum there. And you, to go to the museum, you have to have a, um, you, you have to plan ahead. You have to you know, ask if somebody can open the doors to the museum, you know, make an appointment. And so we made an appointment and we went and it's really, you know, because he was a black man, a lot of 
black people really honor him because uh, he's so important to black heritage. But he was not a racist man at all, even though he endured so much racism. And the brother who showed us around um, was a black man. And then we just walked around ourselves and looked at the museum. And then I went and saw the man go sit down and I went and to go encourage him and share my faith about Jesus. I didn't know if he was a Christian or not. And so I'm sharing with him. I said, brother, I just want you to know that I have such a great love and a burden for the African-American community, the black community, because I know that there's been a lot of violence this past year. And I think a lot of black people just don't feel like they're being heard. And, and that's no excuse to be violent. But yet I see why they're crying out. And I said, it reminds me of Israel in Egypt, who when they cried out, God actually heard them. And they weren't, you know, violent Israelites were that we know of because they were still under slavery. But I think a lot of blacks in America feel like that, you know, the slavery that their families endured and, and for decades after that, the hardships that they had to endure, the racism, the financial hardships, all these things, you know, have made it very difficult. And so I just was telling this man this and I said, you know, and I don't even know if some of you may have seen my video or not. When we were, the day we were leaving Hawaii, a black missionary friend who, uh, his name is Dave. We had never met before until last year, but we'd heard about each other for a while. And we were leaving Hawaii and apparently Dave was in Hawaii with his new wife teaching at the YWAM base with the uh, Youth with a Mission which is in uh, the city of Kona, and that's where their international base is. And uh, some of you may know Ray Liceo. He lives there and is from Davao and was the YWAM director of the Philippines. Now he works uh, with Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM in Hawaii, and has been there for years. And so I, we you know, spent time a little with Ray. But that day that we were leaving to fly out of Kona to come back to the mainland U.S., Dave is like, hey, are you guys in, uh, in, in Kona? And I said, yeah. He said, let's get together for a meal before you leave. So just three hours before we're flying out. What a divine appointment. We meet. This is our second time meeting. And I love Dave because he's, he's a black missionary. And I don't know many African-American missionaries, black missionaries from the U.S. I know a lot from Africa, but not so much from the U.S. And I've often wondered why that is. And I met with Dave and I said, Dave, share your testimony with me. And so Dave says, well, I was homeless living on the streets of the rough city, Detroit. And some young people came up to me in the middle of, of, of the evening and said, uh, hey, there's a gathering called The Call, which is led by a guy named Lou Engel. And it's going to be down the street at this arena. You could come sleep there tonight. So he said, as he walked in a homeless poor black man had no idea about missions and destiny and revival things like that he walked in he heard someone preaching from the platform that God wants to raise up black men and women and send them around the nations as missionaries he said that call went through him he ended up giving his life to Jesus that night and I was amazed listening to him tell his testimony to me and I said Dave you're not going to believe this. But the people who were working with Lou Angle during that conference some years ago in Detroit, 
that gathering that called the call, we know them. In fact, that's who we were with in Hawaii this past three and a half weeks. He was blown away. We were blown away. And I felt like God was saying that he wants to uh, raise up again, you know, black men and women to go out and, and shake the nations for Jesus. That, that God would touch them and free them and bring personal revival to their hearts. That they would go around the world telling the world about how good God is and how much he loves them. Well, I was telling this story to that black brother at the Museum of George Washington Carver. And he said, sir, I got to tell you something. He said, I'm a pastor. I said, you're a pastor. I was evangelizing a pastor. Can you believe it? I said, that's amazing. He said, this encourages me so much. So we exchange information and we're going to be getting together. Some in the future may even be preaching in his church. You know, it sounds so amazing, but that's what I'm talking about today is that faith is like a peanut. You know, George Washington Carver, he just had uh, faith the size of a peanut. That's what God was trying to tell him, that if he would just trust him and not try and think so big and so far out, that God would do something with his faith, with the substance of his faith, he would turn it in, into something so great that millions and millions of people around the world would be blessed by his discoveries. Hallelujah. Listen, you know, you're probably thinking of the scripture verse, Matthew 17, verse 20. It says here, Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Friend, I'm going to say this whether it's the size of a mustard seed or the size of a peanut. Listen, faith, what God's trying to tell you and me is that he's given everyone a measure of faith. And it might seem small to you. It might seem, you know, how is this going to make a difference? But God is saying, if you place your faith in me, if you trust me, I will move mountains for you. He's not asking you and me to move the mountains. He's not asking you to, to end coronavirus. He's not asking you to, to you know, get your job back or, or make something happen for yourself to change your situation. What he's asking you and me is, where's your faith? And I'm telling you, if you just have faith like a peanut and give it to me, be planted, be rooted in my kingdom. I promise you, I will take care of you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Oh, my friend, that's a promise. That's a promise that God has for you today. I don't care if you feel like, like you have small faith or some great faith. What matters today is that you use your faith. That you allow God to plant that faith in the soil of his word. And you grow and you let him saturate that soil with his presence. And your faith will begin to grow. And you'll believe God for things that you never thought you would. You know, it's, it's been a crazy 16, 17 months for us and for you. And you know, in our situation, we recently just gave up our house. In, uh, in Ladislava, where we were living, we 
rented it for all these months and just felt like we need to make good financial decisions for the support that people give, you know, because we still can't go back and, and they're not thinking we'll be able to go back maybe even until next year. But whenever that is, our faith remains unshakable. Situations might change around us. We might not even have our own place to call home. But you know what God does? He provides a place everywhere we go. And, and there's some friends, a church in Central Florida, that have an old house that, that is next to their church. And they said, look, here's the key. You guys use this house. Come and go as you please. And that's basically what we've been doing. We don't pay any bills there. And these folks are so generous and so loving and so kind to our family. Look, I don't understand. Who would have thought we would have gone to Hawaii for three and a half weeks? But God provided. He provided a place for us to stay. He provided plane tickets and, and the expenses to be there. All these things. Friend, I'm just telling you. And, and you know what? While we were there, we spoke at different churches. The power of God was moving. People's lives were being touched. And we met so many Filipinos. We thought of all of you. And we we're so great. And we were invited by this old elderly Filipino woman. Maybe in her late 70s, I think, early 80s. Still pastoring a church with maybe like 15 people or less. We got invited the last Sunday before we were leaving Hawaii. And we went. You know why? Because, first of all, we love Jesus, and the faith that he's given us, we know that no matter if it's a big church, a small church, uh, you know, a church that has money or not, it makes no difference. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is watching him provide and stretch us. Look, Abby and Sierra are both going to college for free. I don't know how this all happens, but I know this, it's not by accident. You know, it's, it's, it's God. When our faith keeps being planted, keeps being watered, it begins to produce fruit. And when it produces fruit, other people plant their faith. I'm reading, um, you know, newsletters from graduates from fire school that are doing spectacular things. You know, Pauline has been amazing to us this past year and all that God's used her to do, taking care of the feeding program, the school, Bobby and Anna, you know, uh, uh, so many of our graduates were so proud of them and, and amazed at what God's doing and the ones working with Hope for All Children and working with the Pruitts and working at different local churches and uh, Maranatha and Kabakan and guys, I can go on and on and on. We're so proud of you all. I want to encourage you never, ever, ever give up. Don't allow the enemy to try and dig up your faith. Keep planning your faith. Keep believing God. Keep trusting the Lord. God is faithful. I'm going to tell you one last thing. You know, at the end of this, uh, of last year, we felt like the Lord gave us a name for our ministry. And it's called Revival Cry International. We've always wanted a name for our ministry. But we never felt like we just wanted to label ourselves that. But through some divine encounters, the Lord's given us a, uh, a this name, Revival Cry International. Not only that, but I, I mean, it's amazing. Now we have a website that a sister helped put together for us and even pay for it. It's called RevivalCry.org. RevivalCry.org. Make sure you go there. You can read stories of testimonies 
of people's lives who are changed and 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 uh, you know we've got so many exciting things come up but this is what I wanted to say November last year I was at a gathering with Keith Collins in West Virginia and a pastor named Pastor Joe came up to me after I was sharing in front of everybody and said brother it's so wonderful you're a missionary all these years in the Philippines he said would you be interested to uh, join us in being on shortwave radio that goes all throughout the Philippines and all throughout Asia I said yeah sure so he gave me a pamphlet and it's gonna cost money it's gonna cost about I think about five to six thousand dollars for one year to be on the radio and that's for a half hour every week I said, well, I'll pray about it. You know, I don't have the finances right now, but I'll keep it in prayer. So I kept it in prayer. And then come this past February, where I'm studying the life of the great missionary evangelist, um, Lester Summerall, who knew Smith Wigglesworth, by the way. And he was a great missionary in Manila and, and started the great church in Manila that, that is, uh, I, I can't remember the name offhand right now, but it's a phenomenal church. Pastor Al Festing uh, was raised up in that church and sent out to Davao. Anyhow, you know, I was reading about the life of Lester Summerall, thinking, wow, what an amazing man of God. And then this guy, Pastor Joe, calls me again. I hadn't talked to him since November. And he says, brother, are you still interested to be on a radio? I said, yes, I am. I'm still praying through this. And he goes, and I, and I said, you know what, brother? I was studying the life of Lester Summerall. He goes, let me stop you there. He said, we, our radio station called Hope Radio bought out Lester Summerall's radio called Lassay Broadcasting. I was blown away. And, and there's three antennas that are on the island of Palau and they're facing the Philippines and all throughout Asia. They have a potential of reaching 3 billion people on shortwave radio. So I'm like, wow, God's really speaking to me about this. Come this past June, the beginning of June, I'm at a church, we're at a church in Winter Haven, Florida. Uh, my friend Pastor Derek, at the end of the message I was teaching on evangelism, he says, brother, I'm praying for you right now and your family. And I keep seeing a picture that God wants to use you to touch a continent. And I thought, well, that's kind of lofty feeling. But then the you know, lofty ideas. And, and then I thought about the radio. The Lord reminded me. And, this, and I said, Pastor Derek, I said, actually, God's been speaking to us about the possibility of being on the radio. He goes, that's it. That's what we're going to do. He says, everybody, we're going to take an offering today. He takes up an offering and gives us $1,200. Blown away. Another brother afterwards come up to me and says, I want to support this ministry. $250 a month. That paid for the whole year of the radio program. It equals just about five, dollars $6,000, whatever it is. I was blown away. Two weeks later after that, if you've heard of Charisma Magazine, Charisma Online... Uh, you know, Keith Collins has a podcast there. Some of you remember Pastor Jamie Morgan and different people we know. Uh, Dr. Brown has a podcast. Charisma approached us about uh, starting a podcast. They said it's going to cost $6,000 for one year. And I thought, wow, well, I'd love to do it. Just need to pray the finances in. Talking about faith as a peanut, guys. And I was talking to a pastor friend and they say, look, Go tell Charisma that if they'll let you pay $5,000 for the year and not $6,000, i will give you a check for $4,000. That's exactly what happened. 
They gave us a check for $4,000. I still needed about $1,500 for different things. And Pastor Jason's church gave us 1000 bucks. And then Pastor Derek told me again, another person donated 500 bucks. So now we have paid for one year to be on the radio to, with the potential of reaching 3 billion people in Asia. And then on Charisma Podcast, it reaches 1 to 2 million people in the U.S. and around the world. Friend, look, there's nothing great about us. The only thing that's great is Jesus. And if we put our faith in Him alone, He is faithful to do things in and through our lives that by ourselves are impossible. Listen, I want to pray with you this, uh, t- this meeting today and encourage you to trust and put your faith in the Lord. Maybe you're saying, Eric, I've been living in sin. I've been looking at things online I shouldn't. I've been thinking things. I've been doing things. I've been, you know, angry. I've been, you know, not honoring my parents. I've, uh, you know, whatever it is, friend. I, I know there's a lot to complain about. I know there's a lot to murmur about. But listen, if the God of the Bible is your God, then you've got to come up higher with Him and see things from His perspective and not allow yourself to be ruled and enslaved by sin. So listen, close your eyes with me and pray with me right now. Father, in Jesus' name, you see everybody who's watching and listening right now. And in Jesus' name, Father, I release a new fresh spirit of faith to encourage them today. Lord, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And as they're listening to me share out of your word today, I pray in Jesus' name that they would sense faith rising up on the inside of them. Lord, that they would surrender everything to you and watch you move on their behalf. Lord, if you could use a slave, a former slave like George Washington Carver to to find out these great discoveries and become a great scientist and, Lord, make discoveries that would change the world. Lord, I know you can use any single one of us. doesn't matter how much education we have or what our uh, social capacity is in this life, our influence. Who knows us? Who doesn't know us? You know us. And because you know everything about us, I pray today that we would, if we need to repent, we repent of sin. If, Lord, we are being encouraged today, that we would trust you and step out on the faith that you've given us and believe you to be the God that answers us, because that's who you are. I thank you, Lord, for your love today and for everybody listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we love you. We miss you dearly. And I'm telling you, when we get off that plane, when we're able to get back at some point, we can't wait to hug y'all, to love y'all, face mask, face shield or not. (laughs) We're going to love on you guys. And we so look forward to that day. Until that time, be encouraged in the Lord. Have faith like a peanut today and watch how God's going to use you. God bless you guys. We love you. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Keep in touch with us via Facebook by going to facebook.com slash mfcdvo or search for Maranatha Family Church Davo on Facebook, where we also stream our church services. Again, that's facebook.com slash mfcdvo. God bless.